combat time. Welcome to Combat Time, where three friends talk about anything and everything at Mortal Kombat. And today, I am joined by Yasin. Hello. And Josh. Hello, hello. And today, we are going to be talking about anything and everything Mortal Kombat music, particularly on the first three games, but we're also going to talk about music from the later games as well. We're going to touch on it. But first, this is our first recording as of 2022. Uh, here, and we at Combat Time would just like to give a happy shout-out to Mortal Kombat as a whole, because this year, it is the 30th anniversary. The game is, our game that we know and love is 30 years old as of this year. The original one came out in 1992, and hot damn, guys, it just kind of feels kind of crazy when you think about it, that Mortal Kombat as a franchise is 30 years old. Yes. Man, that means I was seven when it came out? No, eight. Yeah, I would have been seven. I was like 10, I think, because I'm 39 Actually, I was now. 7. I didn't turn Shit. 8 until after Mortal Kombat came out. That's hard to believe. That's hard to believe. Oh, I mean, a lot of the fucking franchises we grew up with now are mainstayed, and it's like, oh, wow, they're, they're old enough to be an adult with a career. Right? Actually, yeah. Mortal Kombat could have grown up, got into trouble as a kid, hit puberty, went through the whole phase of being a teenager, got all the pimples and everything, learned how to drive, and then they went to college, and then they failed college, and then they went to college again. <laughs> And then they graduated college with, like, a failing grade, and then they became an entrepreneur and started their own business, and now they... I mean, if you think about it, that is the trajectory of Mortal Kombat. It did have some pitfalls, yeah. Had some pitfalls, the awkward teen phase of the PS2 games, and then it failed college with the DC versus Mortal Kombat team. (laughs) They became an entrepreneur with MK9, and then it became successful. Yeah. Yep. But I tell you what, guys, the music was great, pretty much from beginning to end, and that's definitely what we're discussing today. And Mm -hmm. the music of Mortal Kombat would not be what it is today without the great Dan Ford, who is kind of the mastermind of all. Dan Ford, For Dan, I'm sorry. Whoops. (laughs) Um, I I always thought his name was Dan Ford, but apparently it's just Dan Ford Dan. You're learning right now. Maybe I can edit (laughs) that out. Oh, okay. (laughs) I love how you give a great intro. You just like... (laughs) Uh, that's combat time for you. That's yeah, combat that is combat time. time so, yeah. <laughs> well, let's launch into the music. But... Wait, fuck, fuck. What's that? Fuck! No! What? Oh, God! Let's take a quick break real quick, guys, because uh, looks like we got some news. This is our news segment, State of the Realm. Uh, only the second one we've done. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of news about Mortal Kombat, except right now. Uh, as everyone knows, uh, looks like that it's been confirmed that there's going to be a Mortal Kombat uh, movie sequel to 2021. But yep. the best thing about this news is that they've announced a new writer. Okay. Uh, the new writer is Jeremy Slater. Uh, completely new to the franchise, and he hasn't... Hasn't done a lot, and I actually have uh, his filmography. Uh, He's been a screenwriter on The Lazarus Effect, the 2015 Fantastic Four, The Exorcist, looks like a TV show, uh, and a few others. Nothing real notable except for, we all know, Moon uh, Moon Knight, which is coming out. 
I believe he, he worked on the Umbrella Academy, which is on Netflix. I yes, think. that is there too, 2019 yeah. to present. Which sounds promising. Um, I will likely potentially either get more excited or less excited, depending on how Moon Knight comes out, because none of us have seen it yet, because it's obviously not out yet as of this recording. Uh, but no, I mean, that's exciting stuff. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's uh, it's worthy stuff to talk about. To me, it's exciting. Well, to all of us, it's exciting because, oh, thank God, we got a different writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, maybe yeah. you know, maybe you'll kill off Cole Young, a la Johnny Cage, or maybe you know I don't. Know, just I, don't do something I mean, a little different. I know there's a lot of hate for uh, Cole Young. At this point, I don't. I don't really want him to get killed off. I just want him to be done better. Like yeah. I feel like if he's written better, he would be a really interesting addition to like the franchise. And in all seriousness, I mean, all of our ideas will. When we did our little uh, movie pitch episode with Damien, uh, I think we, we mostly kept an effort to try to still include Cole Young. But yeah, just write him better. Yeah, and I'm kind of in agreement with that. Because I was just going to say, he really, he really, really could be written better. Because obviously from Mortal Kombat 2021, he is meant to be the average Joe. The audience gets to see the whole world of Mortal Kombat through his eyes as someone coming into it. Um, it's very much a sort of protagonist trope about guy gets randomly sucked into this world and all that fun stuff where you get where you get to basically like experience everything for the first time through him so that way it makes it easy easily relatable i get why he's there and why he's an original character but yeah he's kind of unfortunately throughout the movie a hollow shell and hopefully with this new writer they'll take him in a more interesting direction if they intend to keep him as the main protagonist of the um of, of this particular franchise well i won't be so foolish to be automatically excited i've been fooled too much by uh trailers lately uh you fool yeah. me fool me once shame on me fool me you ain't gonna fool me again. Um, and so it's like, see how I, many people are old enough to know what that reference? Yeah, right. Uh, we'll see how Moon Knight looks. Uh, I think it looks awesome. Uh, if it's if I end up watching it with y'all, uh, then I, I can mean, build my excitement off of that. I don't, in my opinion, the the MCU like Disney Plus shows haven't really missed too much. Mm. Like there've been some slip ups here and there. Sometimes they don't stick the landing, but I feel like they've gotten better. So I'm interested to see what Moon Knight is about. The thing that I'm, that's going to be interesting to see with this Mortal Kombat, like two new director, no, new writer thing is that they still have to deal with what was developed in the first movie. Yeah, presumably. Like, unless they kind of just retcon everything somehow, they got to build off of that. And since a lot of that stuff is stuff that we're not that fond of, you know, like Arcana and all that, you know, stuff, like, how will they write how would they either use that stuff to make it better or write around it so that it, it kind of gets lost in like into history kind of thing right well, maybe maybe, yeah. they'll, maybe Jeremy Slater will take some notes from from us <laughs> also <laughs> um also with this particular piece of news i mean of course this is just a recently announced thing um we don't know any other details about what the new movie will be, but obviously this type of news just gives us a more solid, concrete assessment that there will be a sequel to the Mortal Kombat 2020 movie. They will be moving forward with it, with this new writer. But as of right now, there has not been any sort of release date or trailer date or casting news or anything new. This is just a piece of news yeah. that came out not too long ago, and we wanted to report on it. I will say that uh, when this news came out, like I feel like a lot of the 
cast members like you know retweeted it and you know posted it on Instagram and you know were showing excitement for it. And I will say, Max Wong, Kung Lao's actor, also was in that you know excitement mode. So it's like, oh. well, I mean, what didn't I, didn't it say like he had signed on for a sequel already? I don't, I don't remember. I can't remember now. I, I will be. Now, granted, it's Mortal Kombat, but I will not be surprised if he is in the sequel by some means. He I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. Movie. People come back to life all the time. So, and that's, so overall, this is exciting. We know for a fact we're getting a Mortal Kombat 2021. And, well, considering that we didn't love the first one, maybe we shouldn't be excited. But I'm, I'm you know, I'm a fool. I'm going to get excited. Hopefully I mean, Jay should be excited. We're gonna get Johnny Cage. We're gonna get Johnny Cage. Yeah. Yeah, but I was already I was already excited beforehand. Like this was a win win situation no matter what for me. And, but obviously, I mean the the sequel wasn't like uh, <laughs> wasn't for sure. At, yeah, know, it wasn't for sure. But it's like either it was sort of like um, uh, no loss, no foul because Johnny Cage wasn't in the first movie at all. He just was referenced at the end and. Really, there's no like, there's no bad or good to that. But in the, but if they do yeah. make a sequel, then we're actually going to get him. And then now my expectation is, okay, will they actually do him correctly? Not that I think Johnny Cage is a terribly hard character to get right. He's not like super complicated to me. But uh, but yeah, I, but of course I'm kind of tampering my expectations until we know more. Like, do we have a do like do we have casting Seth news Rogen. and like do we have more writers <laughs> Seth outside Rogen of this is one? Johnny Cage, dude. It's Seth. Right. He's dude, if, Chris Pratt. Dude, if Chris Rogan and Seth Pratt is Johnny Cage, honestly, sure, <laughs> you can sell me on that, but Seth Rogan's going to have to lose some weight. I'm well, just no, saying. He'll be the washed up Johnny Cage. He quit acting. <laughs> <laughs> next story. Next story. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. And uh, yes, uh, the next big thing is uh, our beloved Ed Boon. Uh, this is just, this news came out like just after the MK 2021 sequel, Ed Boon is getting inducted into the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences Hall of Fame. Deservedly so. Woo! Uh, shout out to Ed Boom. Uh, this buds to you. Yeah. Um, deservedly so for his <laughs> legacy of desensitizing children to violence. He's actually uh, <laughs> going to be at the Dice Awards uh, in like the third week of February in Las Vegas to, to officially get inducted. So... That'll be coming up, and I'll probably That's be awesome. a big show, right? That yeah. is very, very cool. Again, congratulations to Ed Boone. I feel like it is well-deserved. Yeah, took long enough. Uh, is it like past inductees are like Hideo Kojima, Todd Howard, uh, Connie Booth, Tim Sweeney, like a bunch of like... Oh, Miyamoto even. You know, heavy hitters. So it's like, that's really cool. And uh, one thing that was really heartwarming was that seeing uh, John Tobias uh, tweet at him Aww. and congratulating him. With, That's and then I'm, but then I'm also like, man, John Tobias should be inducted too. I was thinking that too, but you know, no, no negative energy in that. You know, he's oh, absolutely Ed, not. Ed Boone. At the end of the day, he was the leader in that. So, and he's been the leader since. So yeah, so yeah, it's his legacy. But uh, yeah, yeah, it would be great. Tobias deserves it too because so much of the story and the lore and the, the aesthetic. But hey, you know, either way, it's recognition and. Hell yeah. Congratulations to Ed Boone. Congratulations, yep. Ed Boone. All right. And then, uh, so is that. And then the next big news item was something you were wanting to talk about, Jay. Yep. So the next big uh, news item that we have for today, which um, is also a little smaller, but Arcade 1-Up's Mini Mortal Kombat Arcade Cabinet includes online multiplayer for free. 
and which means now you can get your ass kicked by anyone in the world's most notorious fighting game. What this essentially means is that, like, now, per Arcade 1-Up, this is in reference to the 30th anniversary, which, of course, is this year. They are uh, releasing a new Mortal Kombat um, arcade cabinet that includes games 1 through 3. I believe this does include Ultimate Mortal Kombat, but not Trilogy, to my knowledge. And what you can do with this is that you can actually play this online through the arcade cabinet with others that actually have the arcade cabinet. Now, that may not be anything particularly special unless you know someone that actually has um, the arcade cabinet besides you. But what this sort of entails is that now, you know, without a PC or without something like Steam, you effectively can now play the first three Mortal Kombat games in their entirety, in their glory, on an arcade cabinet, online, through the arcade cabinet, with other potential friends and players. And again, this comes from arcade1up.com. You can always go to Google and look them up and find the links that they have there to potentially purchase the arcade cabinet if that's something that you want to do. But this is a first Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat has actually not had a online sort of like a presence like this, not least for the first three games. Well, so it's actually lucky kind of enough cool. to be in that, that Chicago or San Francisco arcade where they tested yep. out that, that we talked about. Well, the like I said, the Steam one had online support. Right? Yeah. The, oh, you're talking about like an arcade. arcade. Yeah, you're yeah. talking about like yeah, through the arcade, arcade cabinet. So oh, like, this right, is yeah. probably like the more authentic way to do it if you value something like authenticity. Like you actually can. You know, rather than have your friend right beside you playing the game to where you're smelling each other's BO, you can actually, like, you know, play your friend online somewhere in the vast world that we have, and they can play Mortal Kombat on the exact same playing field as you because you're playing through the arcade cabinet. Um, again, this stuff is, uh, you can hook this stuff up to your internet via Wi-Fi, and then you can go online and just play it. So it's worthy to mention just because... It's new. It's never been do- it's never been done like this before, and it's a kind of unique thing. And this is all in celebration of Mortal Kombat's 30th anniversary from them. So, well, it's 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 also like it has like what a bunch it of does, other midway yeah. games as well. So as you have just, like yeah, it has like Rampage, Gauntlet, Jones, Defender, Gauntlet, and Paperboy. Like um, I th- I don't know 100 percent though if the, if you can do those online. Though I don't think most of them were actually built for that. But still, yeah. the fact that it had that that this is become available is kind of unique. And currently, at least right now, this arcade cabinet, for those wondering, it currently sells for just over seven hundred dollars. If that is something that you have the uh, means to purchase, if that is your thing, so it's worthy enough news just to mention. Which, it it's 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 a cool thing for this to be a thing, like because of course you know. Being able to play on an arcade stand with like joystick controls and all that's like that's you know pretty authentic to the arcade experience. The thing is that yeah, this has online play, but how many people are gonna throw down seven hundred dollars on this thing, and there'll be enough for you to be able to actually be online that's with people? You know? Like I like, wonder how the online's gonna work. Is it gonna be like a, a just a giant room play randos? Or are you gonna be able to play specifically your friend like? If we all three spent seven hundred plus dollars on our own MK, you know, one-up machines, and we could play each other when we're, we're not with each other, is that going to be a thing, <laughs> or is it just you know playing a, a pool of people? Yeah, I wonder what the UI and what the, like what's the like lobby system going to yeah. be like for that. 
Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering the same thing too. But it's interesting enough, at least, to mention my first oh, yeah. thought is that because, but because it's via Wi-Fi, it connects to your own um, via Wi-Fi. It connects to your own internet connection, and then likely there's some sort of server with a room on it that Arcade One Up, as I assume, is going to service, which is why you, it's only through them. So think of it like a Steam room, but the Steam room is through the arcade cabinet, based on interface, as opposed to your PC, which is weird. But still unique enough that I think, like, okay, this might be kind of a thing. So, yeah, like, I think it's cool. Yeah, it'll 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 have a market. Uh, I, I haven't been too interested in the MK One Ups as it as it is, uh, and this is just basically it's going to be the same height and everything. It's just going to the added value is the online, and you have all these games. But uh, there's definitely going to be people that buy this. I'm probably not going to be one of them. Uh, but, you know, nah, uh, good. I don't want to poo-poo on this, but in my eyes, uh, the uh, arcade one-ups are basically the video game version of Funko Pops. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I Very expensive yeah, ones. Yeah, very expensive ones. Funko Pops. I like the idea. Like, I've often wanted to have, like, an arcade cabinet in my living room and be that guy. I don't like want a but... real arcade cabinet because this thing's kind of pint-sized. If you look at the picture in the Gizmodo article too, uh, they, they're like it's it's, over it's not it's not full size, but it's also not one of those ones where it's like you put on the on your coffee table kind right, of thing. Right, it's like an in between. Like, that. yeah, it's it's big enough to be kind of legit, but it's not like super like it's not like. I mean, I guess it's great because it's not going to take up your like half your living room. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's a cool thing to have, and you get the modern. Uh, I'm assuming it has an LCD screen. Uh, so it's like you get a little bit of modern uh, conveniences with it. So it's like, you know, I ain't going to poo-poo on right. anyone buying it. But uh, I'd rather have, like I said, if we eventually, you know, maybe we'll carve out a Combat Time studio to, you know, collect a record in person. And I would have to have a full, full-size, full at least an MK2 cabinet, you know. I think that's my goal. I, I want cool. a full-size Mortal Kombat cabinet to adorn some room. That's the dream. Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's all I care for, apparently. Yep. And the... Final small story. That was honestly the first news item that, that came to our, our thing, and then the internet blew up with these other two. It also blew up with one tiny other little item. Uh, it's inconsequential, really, at the end of the day, because we knew it was going to be coming. But looks like there is a quote-unquote leak uh, that MK12 is being worked on. And the interesting thing that was a, a NetherRealm uh, staffer, posted a picture of her desk, and it has some concept art. I see a Wonder Woman there, concept art. That's from Injustice. And some ads. And his computer's in the background. And somebody noticed that in the upper right, there's an email. And in it, there's a line that says MK12 Mast, like Master, confirming that, okay, they're working on MK12. I think it even said in the email, like, please don't share this. Fans are going to go nuts. So obviously, everyone's saying this is... A purposeful leak because it also got taken down like immediately too. Like lol, whoop. But there's yeah. not much to that story except to say, hey, that they're they're toying with us or they're not. But MK12 is being worked on, so rest easy. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we do get something this year, at least a trailer. Yep, that's the hope and pray. Probably later yeah. this year. Uh, yeah, probably for for both that and the MK12 uh, 2021 sequel. What if it's like you know. Ed Boon is at Dice Awards. He gets the award. He does his exception speech. Oh, and like, shit. And on that note, and then he goes, to, he points to the screen, then there's a trailer for him. That sounds like a very Ed Boon thing to do. That would be. Oh. <laughs> that, that would be, would be cool. I don't think, I think it's too early for that. But then again, maybe it's not too early. That would be. We don't cool. know how long they've been working on it. Yeah. They, I mean, presumably they've probably been working on it for the past 
year or two, right? So maybe who knows? Holy shit! Uh, I don't know much about the Dice Wars. Is that something where a reveal like that would typically happen? Uh, I don't remember. They they've started to. I think they've had trailers before on it, but it's not like the Game Awards. It's not as it's not as big of a commercial as the Game Awards, from what I remember. But yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna hope. I'm gonna assume that he's gonna reveal a trailer, and when he doesn't, I'm gonna be pissed off. No kidding. <laughs> like the internet. I'm gonna be happy for Ed Boon. And oh yeah, for sure. Uh, to 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 wrap it up, let's just have one more congratulations to Ed. Yeah, Boone. congratulations, Mr. Ed Boon. Who who this podcast wouldn't exist without his influence. Yes, I would. I would not be desensitized without you, sir. No, sir. <laughs> Okay, so that was that was the thing that happened, guys. <laughs> that, that that was our state of the realm. Um, we we want to try and do that every now and again. But now back to our regularly sponsored program of sponsored. Who's Music. sponsoring this? Hold on. Are we I getting am. money for this? I, I am. You guys aren't getting what? paid for this, Josh. You got paid. <laughs> you got paid. <laughs> you got paid. Yes. Yeah. I got paid. I got paid in bison dollars. Yes. <laughs> Wrong franchise. Yeah, that is the wrong franchise. <laughs> a little preview into our next episode, though, perhaps, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. potentially. Take that as a hint. Soonish. Anyway, let's launch into, well, it might be debatable to say uh, whether or not the music of Mortal Kombat is iconic. For some people it is, for some people it isn't. And I'm thinking specifically the games more so than I am what everyone identifies Mortal Kombat with. Uh, but you gotta think it's it's a little well i don't know for sure but if i was the person who you know created the the sound of mortal kombat for the games and then all of a sudden what gets associated with the franchise is the music from a movie that was taken from an artist that had nothing to do with the movie initially (laughs) it's like right i feel like syndrome yeah that would be a i would I would be a bit salty, but I think well, Dan Forden is a better person than I am. Uh, in an interview, he did say that uh, someone asked him what he thought of Techno Syndrome, and he said he loves it. Uh, he almost wished he he come up with uh, you know a few of the the, the, the tunes from it. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. he's a little jealous, but he said no, I fucking love Techno Syndrome. So there's it's no saltiness song. there. It's a dope song. But I will uh, say, like you you saying that it's not. Like the music of the games sometimes is not as iconic. I wonder if it's because of how different some of the songs are between the platforms. I think it's pers- well, that could be it too. But I think the 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 root of it is that the music of Mortal Kombat fulfills one primary purpose, mm-hmm. and that's to have some aggressive tempo to to highlight your fighting, your fighting versus you know having like a really recognizable tune. So mm. some of it might kind of, especially with some of the later games, which uh, you, you could chalk up to new equals bad, except that, well, Dan Forden's had an involvement almost throughout the whole series. And there's, a you know, not that much different from the newer music versus the older one, except for just, you know, the availability of like just how many instruments they're able to use. But it could, you know, it, it could kind of bleed into the background and you almost forget about it because it's just, you know, there to, to, get you in the fucking fighting mood. However, yeah. there are some, like, I could write, you know, if I go, dun, 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 like, you, you, yeah. you should instantly go, yep, I remember that. I, I still find some of the music memorable. I, I like the, I guess enough, I find 
the music from the first game more memorable than I remember when I was doing research for this episode and I listened to the soundtrack. But yeah, I do like the, um, I think my favorite thing that I guess at least talking about the first game a little bit is just the, it's just the intro screen because it had, because you hear the, you hear the gong sound as soon as you go into the select screen and then you hear the dun 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 do you it's mean there. specifically like when it goes into character select or like the intro? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the character select screen. I know I said. The I do think screen, that's like but... one of the most distinct tunes because it is very. It's 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 right in your face. It's yeah. got it's got a very. I feel like two is the one that has a more like iconic like at least like uh... character select. Yeah, or just overall. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. The first one is where it's at for me. I do think 2 has the best music out of the first three games. I think that's for sure, because when I listen to 3, 3 has got some interesting ideas, but I feel like 2 has a, has much more creativity with its sounds and instruments than 3 does. I don't know. I feel like there's, there's, I mean, I feel like by the time it gets to 3, it starts to sound more... It sounds less like video game music, I guess. Hmm. Does that make yeah. any sense? They do one thing that was kind of prevalent a bit around that time. So if you guys have ever played a Sonic game, which I, I assume both of you have, but in Sonic 3, for example, the music in that game is like iconic. <laughs> you hear you hear like a whole lot like of like, you know, like yes. the game, like the creature, like the Sonic the Hedgehog creature. That, chili dog. You know, you know chili dogs, <laughs> run fast. Um, chili white, right. Okay. That could go either way. In Sonic 3, the music in that game is iconic for a reason, and we won't go into the delves of that, but there's like, there's some, sa- like, there, like, there's some vocal sounds in there. <laughs> there's like some, there's some vocal sounds in there where they're, like, where an actual person did record, Ow! like, actual vocal, vocals for that. Yes, including stuff like that. <laughs> but there, but that is actually present in Mortal Kombat 3. Actually, it's my favorite thing about Mortal Kombat Three is they do the ow, yeah, ow, ow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. They do that. that that's on the uh, the street you don't like when they're fighting on the street. Mortal Kombat Three, there's like oh, oh. yeah, dude, you yeah. wow, no, dude, yeah, three. I love three because one, that track, it's a revisit of a tune from one. It's a da 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 da. But they have yeah, ow, whoa, yeah. Ow! Oh, in the background, the whole yeah. fucking song. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, that's the first thing I remember in the arcade is hearing that and being like, "Man, this is the hit Mortal Kombat." Like the evolution from the stereotypical martial arts gong shit in the first one to this. Yeah, they become less and less stereotypical as the as the games go on. I think. Yeah, they're sort of carving out their own identity, and the music plays a good like a good key part in that. Like Mortal Kombat Three is like sort of like post-apocalyptic Boy. sort of world with its music kind of like fits it pretty well in my opinion i feel i need to get uh let me bring up a link to the street for you seen to hear right now because okay. he, he he's like he, he done fucking remember that yeah it's Hold it's good man it's not, it's not my favorite track in three but it's up there it might be my well no i know what let me guess what your favorite track is probably the church uh, actually, what did I, like, what did I say in the notes? Is um, it the street or the bridge that has the, ow, ow, ow. It is, um, yeah, it ha- it's the street. The street has it. Okay. No, but actually, it's, J- actually, it's Jade's Desert. 
Jade's Desert is Jade's my Desert's my your favorite, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. also my favorite stage, too, in Mortal Kombat 3. I just like that stage, and I like the music to it, too. But the church is a very appropriate one. Like, that, like, the church has very appropriately almost like a, a dark church sound to it. Like I mean, the, yeah, it's got the organ and yeah, stuff it's got like the that. Organ, and, yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw my notes, but a uh, rapper uh, in Britain actually used it as a mm. track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it works. But uh, speaking of uh, hip beats, you've seen here is The Street from Mortal Kombat 3. Ah, is that Slinny Blade? I don't know, it sounds like. Was that Sonya Blade or Sindel? I don't I know if it's Blade. like a stock but thing, yeah. like with a techno syndrome, where like they they use Sonya's. Uh, uh, uh. I think it might just be an original, like you know, they recorded someone going "ow," or it might even be stock. This just sounds like you know when you do the sound effects for like punches and hits and getting hit and stuff. Yeah, it does. That's, that's just what it is. I think I'm unsure. I think the first one, the first one, is like "oh." I think that's like her getting hit. Right. Yeah, is when she's like hitting someone. Probably. Yeah, I think like I think we all have different interpretations because I looked at it as oh yeah, oh yeah. That's, oh, yeah, what, that's I'm what they wanted to sound like. Yeah, but I mean, like it's I'm not thinking like someone's punching someone. I'm thinking like people are just on the side of the street. They're bobbing their heads. They're like oh yeah, oh yeah, or something like that. That's what I think of when I hear that sound. I do think I read that that might be original recording and not just recycled. Oh, 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 getting hit stuff, but it could be wrong. Yeah. Either way, it's cool to hear in a fucking Mortal Kombat game. Yeah. Oh, it's it, yeah. It, it's definitely cool to hear in a Mortal Kombat game. Uh, but the rest of the three soundtrack, I mean, not to go into like a review, but it didn't really do too much for me. But it did more for me than one. Um, one has like, in my opinion, the most forgettable soundtrack outside of like two like little things that I do kind of want to mention. Surprisingly, I like I talked about the character select screen, and actually the actual intro music is short, but I think it's pretty memorable too because it has that da 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 um, a little bit that I find kind of fun. It depends which uh, you're probably talking about the Super Nintendo version because that's the one that you played extensively. Yeah, that's for. true. Can I just say, man, I I know even though the Sega, you know, does the Super Nintendo looks better than the Sega Genesis version of a lot of the games. But man, the the music for the Super Nintendo games. Yeah, yeah I, I, I will say. And I was and I was a Genesis <laughs> kid. I was a Genesis kid, dude. So I guarantee you, I probably have heard the Mortal Kombat music of all three games on Genesis, and I find it kind of because, like, obviously, out of the three, the arcade one is the one that's going to sound the best and be the most authentic. But I feel like. I don't know what happened with that. It's weird because the su- there's limitations, but the Super Nintendo has always been known for its good sound fidelity, and they have like a lot of like. Yeah, but I guess true. when it comes to porting something to the arcade, it just, with the exception of one or two tracks, which I might touch upon later, uh, it just does overall sound muted and has less oomph. And Dan Forden's expressed as like, yeah, I mean, he had nothing to do with the Super Nintendo translation. So like you went, or Sega, really. yeah, or Sega, especially because we'll touch upon this. 
Sega, which I'm used to shitting on as being like, has a sound chip that just has instruments that sound like farts. <laughs> uh, but really, I gotta give Sega some credit, because Jay talking about the Sonic soundtrack, for example. Sega can have some funky beats, and the Mortal Kombat 1 soundtrack, instead of translating you know, the arcade into its sound system. There's a couple tracks that they, they just kind of tried to redo in the Sega's, you know, uh, capabilities. There's a couple where they just say, fuck it, we're going to do our own thing. And the Sega version is fucking groovy. I actually love the Sega really? version. Yeah. And, uh, I will say that for all three games where like, I mean, a lot of them aren't one-to-one. Like they, like, I feel like even with the SNES version, they, they do their own version of like you get the main beat and the main tone of the the stage or whatever from the arcade, but both platforms do something a bit different. A bit different. I feel the like. Super Nintendo mainly is just trying to ape the arcade, but the, the Sega one, man, like okay, so like Jay says, the, the, he likes the way it opens. I don't remember how the Super Nintendo version opens. The arcade version opens with a very, just very low key. With like this little strings as it's like telling you the story. The fucking Genesis version, though, opens up right with a rendition of the character select screen. It just opens up with this drum line. Like, it's, like, really aggressive right off the bat. And, and like, yeah, there's just several tracks in there that completely... They don't even have the same tune at all they like just do their own thing with what the system can yeah. do and uh just I, I even um i know i keep jumping to, no, no. to uh mortal kombat 2 but i just like before we started the podcast i was i was comparing mk2 between the three platforms and the sega one like i think they used like there's one called battle plan which i guess is the character the ladder screen, sounds like it's be the ladder oh, the ladder the ladder yeah I think in the Sega version, they use a version of the intro theme mm. for it. Whereas the arcade and the, the SNES version use a different one. It's weird. Interesting. Yeah. They kind of mix and match. Boy, I can't hear much of the Sega version of MK2 in my head at the moment versus like Juan. That's all I hear. And I want to know like who worked on two. Even when I'm sleeping. Uh, That's all I hear. Right, really? Wow. <laughs> It, it, it is worth it is worth mentioning the guy that worked on the Sega version of One's soundtrack. Uh, once again, not Dan Forden, uh, is yeah. a guy named Matt Furness. Uh, said like the, the thing that heats your house, but spelled F U R N I S S. Who basically kind of cut his teeth uh, working with a specific uh, you know tool set that you know he ended mm-hmm. up using. With uh, you know, another cohort on the the Genesis thing, and it had its own unique sound. And versus the people that translated the Super Nintendo soundtrack, I th- I think he gets a lot of clout for like doing a lot of original work. Uh, he also did the soundtrack to Alien Three, the NES game, and the or no, I'm sorry, the Genesis, of course, of Alien Three and Terminator, uh, and a bunch of other. And mm. Chuck Rock, I think, is like his most like big biggest feather in his cap. I actually remember Chuck Rock in the GameCube, or I'm fuck the Game Boy, but he did the uh, the Genesis version. Chuck Rock's got a pretty no pun intended rocking soundtrack. Only I ever heard of Chuck Rock. Oh yeah, it's, it's caveman side scroll. I don't think I've ever. Okay. Wait, Chuck Rock is a wait what? Wait, Chuck Rock. I think I've seen like ads on like Game Pro. There's even a Chuck Rock too, which he also did the, the soundtrack for. Okay. Yeah. 
So should we like backtrack and give a bit of background on Dan Forden? Yeah, since I already launched into Matt yeah. Furness. Uh, Go for it, Josh. Oh fuck! Why is it on me? <laughs> well, ba- <laughs> uh, well, basically, Dan Forden. Uh, you know, we know him as the legend, the Toasty, which you know we'll get to yeah. how that came about. But you know, obviously, he was good friends with John Tobias and Ed Boone. But uh, before he met them, he he learned music at college. Uh, you know, he took a uh, he took a course specifically in uh, technology and music. Yep. Um, basically, how, how music's produced technology, which of course is only a thing that could have you know happened in the eighties, from the seventies to the eighties. He went to college in the eighties. Yeah. And like he, that was back before you know he had fancy equipment. And he literally learned how to compose music in goddamn code. Like literally, like coding what he's expecting the music to sound like. And he and basically then, made music with text. Yeah, he compiled it and then he walked away and went home and come back the next day and see what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, because he had to render it. Imagine like having a, like a whole data record or something. Like it took hours to render at least. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, hours. Like the the program he used too, which apparently is not in use anywhere. Like I don't think anyone can find a copy of this program now. It was called APL, which stands for Another Programming Language. Which is funny. This, yeah. sa- this sounds like the equivalent of 56k dialogue, like with the sound of that, like you know. Not even, of- man. This is before 56k oh, dialogue, <laughs> dude. This was in the 80s. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Holy, holy crap. We're going ancient here. We're going like Atari Neo Geo sounds. <laughs> so that's how he back in the 1900s. Yeah, <laughs> back. In the- yeah, this was. Before- By the way, we're back all the- born in the 1900s. Back with the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I don't know, man. I que- I question if I was born in the 1900s. Sometimes I've got some of that. Related to 1800s. Mick Jagger. Anyway, that's my backstory. <laughs> um, so he cut his teeth on that, and and that's more or less the type of low tech shit he used eventually when he came to work on Mortal Kombat One. He had a little better shit to work with, but basically his first job was with Williams, uh, and he started writing music for pinball games. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the anal- he, it was, uh, what he used when he eventually did in World Combat 1 was a 6800 assembler, uh, which was used to write the code. And then the audio was handled with a, the a Yamaha FM chip. You know, this is all fucking Greek to me. I don't know what the fuck that means. It means he typed some shit out and made music. Basically. Ones and zeros, man. Ones and zeros. But it was, it was working in, in Williams that he, he met. Ed Boone and John Tobias, and then you know he ended up in their department when they were brainstorming, brainchilding Mortal Kombat, and then yeah, lo and behold, he's the he's a fucking music guy for Mortal Kombat, and he just kind of went, you know, they they went with the whole idea of okay, Asian, you know, martial arts tournaments, so that's where you get the stereotypical gongs and stuff that characterize the first game so much, yep. and you know he made a conscious decision to evolve that. As the series went on, partially in two, when he actually got an actual sound mixer and could actually sample shit. Cause, uh, you know, when he went to college, he had a musical background. It wasn't just that technology class. He plays guitar. Uh, he learned the flute, uh, and he was able to sample his own, you know, playing for, uh, Mortal Kombat 2 when he actually got, like, you know, a, a sound mixer. So. He could actually, like, use his instruments to, like, feed into. I guess the was he still using the Yamaha or was it something else? And Mortal Kombat Two, I don't believe he was. Okay, I do think it's kind of cool that like he got because like in Two, he actually used his own instruments, which kind of you know 
kind of uh, adds cred to the idea that, well, it's not even really an idea, it's a fact, where like Mortal Kombat 2 just had more of a budget than Mortal Kombat 1, so you get to Absolutely. see a little bit where that budget went to. Dan Fjordan actually got to use more of his, like, actually Fjordan. musical instruments, and it shows. Fjordan. You start out with Dan Ford, and then it turns into Fjordan. <laughs> <laughs> the, this is probably going to be a, a thing, because, like, when I say Ford Dan, it, I can't say it correctly, so it comes out as, like, I don't know, like a Swedish word or something. Fjordan. Dan Fjordan's going to drive <laughs> us to Flavortown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe I'm right. Maybe he actually pronounces his name as Fjordan. I'm pretty like... sure he doesn't pronounce it as Fjordan. <laughs> don't try to justify your screw up. You know, I don't know, I don't know his Nash, I don't know his heritage, but I'm pretty sure it's a simple name. It's Fjordan. <laughs> I I kind like like I, I, I kind of want I kind of want to consult the internet. It's not enough that I can accept any. Uh, you know, I'm wrong. in my research, I, I actually, I, I I am curious what his uh his background is 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 you know a uh, heritage. I don't know if he's uh I, obviously he's white, but I don't know if he's German, British. Yeah, well, look that up while we're talking. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Find out where he came from. Figuratively and literally. Literally. But, uh, you know, that, yeah, he got to use so much more instruments for two, but I think it still bodes well for one, how, I want to say memorable, but that might be subjective, but how impactful the first game's music still is, considering it was like, you know, this all like digital coded instrumental stuff. Because, uh, I remember a good bit of tracks from one, like the courtyard specifically. I... They're more recognizable to me now after we've done the episode where we, you know, played a bunch of Mortal Kombat one. Mm. But I, when I when I started playing it for the episode, like that's when I started to like pay attention to the music a little bit more. Like if you had asked me before, I wouldn't know what the music sounded like in Mortal Kombat one mm. at all because I only played it a few times. Uh, playing it now, it's a, it's a little more recognizable, but it's not like I couldn't tell you what music is for what stage or whatever. Right. It's not like embedded in your brain. The only one that's the only thing that's embedded is like the the theme the theme of it. Right. The main like the title thing. Yeah. I think it's a little half and half for me because while I can admit that some of the music is a little generic and I'll I'll actually go out and full say, uh no slight to Dan Forden, but I'll say fully Street Fighter Two has better music. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because absolutely. Mortal Kombat does not have the equivalent of Guile's theme goes of everything. <laughs> yep, that's true. And until and it Giles can reach theme that, goes with literally everything. It goes of everything, including uh, I can't say the title <laughs> of the song, <laughs> but you know which song I'm talking about. <laughs> and also, Josh, just to and also, Josh, just to basically take my L with pride, Forden is um. For- <laughs> Forden was founded, uh, the last name Forden was actually founded in the USA and is a mixture of a, founded? basically, a, yeah, a, it's, it's a mixture of different surnames. Names that are eventually founded. Became, well, yeah, because it's, it's like, it's got surnames that, uh, that were. As it's origins in. Yeah, origins in, yes. But it's got origins in the UK, Canada, and Scotland between 1840 and 1920. So. He, okay, so he's probably Scottish. Maybe by ancestry, but he wasn't called Forden or whatever, you know, by that. I'm time. just going to say it right now. Dan Forden's Scottish. I don't care what he actually is. He, he <laughs> can contest this on the show. 
if I could do a Scottish accent, I'm just gonna don't, anytime don't. I talk about Dan Ford, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Scottish. Of course, he tries Dan to do it anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so I will, so I will take my I will take my L with pride. He is not from the Scandinavian countries in any way. Okay, all right, so that's a mystery solved. Um, to go back to the saying that yeah. Mortal Kombat has a genericness to it because its primary purpose is to just kind of give you this background mood to get you to fight. And Street Fighter has better music. However, I will say there are aspects of it that do have held with me since a child. Like they're going into Mortal Kombat Ultimate 3, and this actually might be trilogy, that that attract mode, they... Is that... Ring a bell of any of y'all? A little bit. A little bit. Apparently fucking not. But there's a couple other tunes. Uh, or, for example, it's like if you can't think of a specific tune, you could think of the flavor of the music. Because I remember you, Yassine, specifically saying, and this was a lot of other people at the time's opinion, too, in the movie, when Goro comes out, you know, and you know Goro's theme, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That was the one point where I recall you saying, and it is a shared opinion, that that's the first time in the movie where it actually started to sound like Mortal Kombat. Mm, yeah, like, it yeah, kind of yeah. it kind of sounded like something that would have been in the games. So it's like, there's not a specific tune that you remember, but there's a flavor. And it's right there. That's like personified. It's like a foreboding track. kind of a... It's a mix of foreboding and rockin' at the same time. It's not heavy yeah. metal. Uh, and you can't even call it techno, because uh, there's a little bit of techno flavor. The movie sound, or the fucking Immortals soundtrack was the one that was like, hey, let's fucking make Mortal Kombat identifiable with techno. I, <laughs> I do think that, like, I do think you hit the nail on the head when you said foreboding, because when I listen to MK2 soundtrack, I feel like that there's definitely more of a mood to it um, mm. in that game than one of three. Uh it, I'm, I can't say that still MK2 music is all that memorable, but I feel like that pretty much MK2 is the best soundtrack that if I'm just doing whatever, if I'm doing chores around the house, if I'm cooking, or if I'm working on art or something, I could have the MK2 soundtrack on in the background somewhere, and it wouldn't bother me. I would actually be pretty into it. I think I'd just, like, it would be, it's good background music. And I think maybe at the end of the day, that's what it was meant to be. Like, maybe... Dan, uh, Dan Forden would actually, actually wasn't trying to make something truly iconic. Maybe he was just trying to make the mood based on the stage from what he from what he read about what the stages were going to be. So he went with that and decided just to match the mood as opposed to try to be something like crazy iconic, like Guile's theme, where it just goes with everything. So. I mean, it's actually funny, Jay. You actually are pretty much describing what he said his thought process was when making the Mortal Kombat thing, and it was primarily, yeah, mood. What's going to fit the stage and the theme of the game? So I mean, if that's the case, he, I think right he, head, if then. that's the case, he hit it out of the park, because that's the total vibe I got from it when I listened to it from beginning to end. And Jay, if you want to put it on and listen to his background music, you do know you can get Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 game soundtracks now on vinyl. 
That's true. I remember yeah. you, you, you you told me that in the notes, and I was actually kind of shocked. I was like, what? You can get these things on vinyl? So for all you aspiring mm-hmm. people out there that actually still have record players that actually still work, you can actually buy the Mortal Kombat. You don't need a record player that still works. You could go to Walmart and buy a record player right now. It's a new thing. Yeah, but some people have like... My those... mom's pitching a moaning still because she got rid of all her records back in 89. Yeah, man. And she fucking could have kept him. <laughs> yeah, man. Vinyl, like, like vinyl's making a comeback, dude. And vinyl used to be like crazy. I remember my, like, my parents had those vinyl things, and when my mom and dad wouldn't listen to them anymore, I would go outside and use them as frisbees, and I, <laughs> and I probably destroyed them. But uh, I had no. I remember listening to the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, audio drama on vinyl as a kid. I'm aging myself right now. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, I still. I think I have one or two vinyls, but I don't have a record player to. <laughs> You'd like actually play them, so it's kind of worthless. Um, like I said, go out, go out and buy one. Uh, I'm trying to see uh, where you can. Uh, do fuck. Uh, just fucking go look at Mortal Kombat one and two vinyl. There's yeah. If you if you uh, Google Mortal Kombat vinyl um, MK1 or MK2 soundtrack for those listening, they should not be hard to find. Just again, of course, record player not included. So hopefully you have a record player. Like I said, you can go to Walmart and buy one. Yeah, they're probably not expensive. Probably not. <laughs> But it's cool. I actually did not know that. That was something I was like, wow, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 soundtrack are on vinyl. And they're not going to be too long, because looking at it, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 game OTSs are each just over 30 minutes in total length. Like, like the whole thing. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was even surprised at that, because there's more to Mortal Kombat 2's soundtrack than 1, because you got like the sounds for like the friendships and you know the fatalities, because there's different ones for that. And then... There's like a really big like end game sequence outro uh, to that, but it's really not much longer than Mortal Kombat One soundtrack. It's actually pretty- I remember you mentioned how memorable the outro victory thing was, and boy, gosh, I wish I could have gotten to it in our MK Two episode. I couldn't fucking beat MK Two's AI. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. But, well, we- I I, I, I want to hear what it sounds like because MK One's victory music also like it doubles. It, it increases the stereo Asian stereotype sound a little bit, so I'm not going to hum it because I'll sound really bad. But it also has a note of just fucking victory that I, it makes you be like, fuck yeah, I beat the game. Yeah, I mean, I fuck would imagine yeah. so, considering that some of those games back then are like just so gosh darn hard that by the time that you... By the time that you, like, basically beat it, like, you, you're basically slamming your fist on the table like, yeah, I won, I finally won, I earned this. Then the power goes out before it can enter your initials. Yep. No. no. And, and and your legacy is no longer recorded in the um, in the archives of Mortal Kombat history, unfortunately. Alas. Alas. <laughs> but you still got to hear a pretty damn cool soundtrack along the way. Um, it's I, I still find it kind of sad, because, like, I think probably the reason why Mortal Kombat just isn't iconic, and I guess, Josh, are you seeing, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think any of the characters, at least from the early games, have any sort of theme song. Like, none of them. Not do. really, no. Because... The most you could say is, like, Goro's Lair... Yeah. Ha- ...has a theme. It's not very distinctive either. Which, like, which is uh, funny, because comparing it a little bit to Street Fighter Two. Every single Every... stage is the theme song for the character of that stage. It's pretty simple. Correct. And, but in Mortal Kombat, 
there really isn't a Liu Kang stage. There really isn't a Scorpion stage. And I'm talking about Mortal Kombat 1 and 2, because by the time they went to 3, Scorpion obviously had his own stage, because you get to go to hell. But, yeah. but like, in Mortal Kombat 1, there's really kind of none of that there. So they really... They don't really have theme songs. And I think that's part of the reason why. It's more emphasis on mood and story narrative with what's going on in Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and 3 versus actually having theme songs for the characters. And I want to say that's actually kind of unique because I think every fighting game that was popular around that time actually does have theme songs for all the characters in it. But Mortal Kombat decides that they want to be the different child. So... And I think that's and I think that's why uh, Techno Syndrome is iconic as it is because it basically screams in your face at the beginning of the song what it's about, and it doesn't really hold any bars for it. They just, it just screams in your face Mortal Kombat, and then you already know what it is. There is no thinking on this. There is no reflection. It's just <laughs> you know everybody just start punching and kicking everything, and of course it would be from a movie and not the games. Like we mentioned yeah. earlier, so well to 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 uh, point out that that wasn't made for the movie, but was in fact part of uh, Mortal Kombat the album shortly before the movie came out, where uh, the the band the Immortals who uh, renamed themselves for that uh, album just fucking you know made some techno songs, each one based off a character, and then the main theme they just pulled. Yeah, the fucking the, the commercial Mortal Kombat and soundtracks from the fucking game and just yeah made a song, but it ended up coming the most iconic goddamn song ever because, uh, yeah, contrary to the music in the game, this is like full-on techno, and I guess they just hit the perfect storm of just the right beat that everyone would fucking, like, remember. Shout out to Oliver Adams. He was the guy He was the guy who composed um, Techno Syndrome, and he and it was performed by a Belgian techno duo, which Josh, you mentioned, the Immortals, which I had no idea they were Belgian. I thought that was super interesting. I'm like, wow. They... I forgot. I didn't. I can't remember that. That's so cool. That's not yeah, neat. I had no idea they were Belgian at all. You don't really hear too much of, like, Belgian bands like making this impact at least not back then you didn't so I, I I always thought that was just interesting but one thing I uh one thing that is sort of prevalent I don't really notice this too much in Mortal Kombat 1 but in 2 it's there where the amount of music that they created there or that Dan created did not match the amount of stages that there were so of course you get this sort of effect and I think this is why like the music kind of blends together in certain stages a little bit because sometimes the music is in two different stages at the same time. So, you know, for example, The Pit 2 and The Wastelands is one track, oh. and it's called that because it's the music for The Wastelands and The Pit 2. It's the same stuff. Um, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, it's the exact same track, and it's the same thing for The for the Portal. That's the one that goes... And, do, 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 do. Yeah, and it's the same thing do, in 2 for... The portal, which is the one that's kind of reminiscent of Mortal Kombat 1, where, like, the portal's in the background and the dark priests are floating in the background. So that's the portal. Yeah. And then there's the battle arena, which has the spikes at the top of the roof. Um, right, right. Yeah, in 2. And all that, and all that's the same music, too. And it's kind of cool, because when you think about it, these tracks are not unique to those specific uh, scenes, because you hear them enough that your brain doesn't consciously, you know, think that particular scene with this music because you hear that same music in another um, on another stage. So I think that's another reason 
why that even though it's good for the mood, it doesn't really do much in terms of making the sounds iconic because you, you know, most people may remember the portal as where this music is from. Well, someone else is going to be like, no, this is from the battle arena when they're both Mm -hmm. right. Um, Which is funny because in Mortal Kombat 3, there's more stages in Mortal Kombat 3. And there's like songs that are used in three or four different stages in Mortal Kombat 3. And they all, and you can kind of interchange them a little bit. And you probably wouldn't notice it until you really thought about it. It's kind of interesting when you well, think about that. With Mortal Kombat 3, does that have to do with the fact that, you know, they have levels that you can uppercut into other levels? Yeah. Sort of like, like, for example, well, some no, way you it, can it, like. It, it doesn't quite because when you uppercut them into the level, the music changes. Oh, it does. Because I've heard some people complain, like, man, I really love the music of the stage, and I always try to avoid doing an uppercut so the music yeah, doesn't yeah, switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that might be different on the home versions, though. Which, actually, Yassine, tell us a little bit about this, because I admit I didn't listen to this. Like, what's, what, what is different about the Genesis uh, soundtrack uh, versus the, S, uh, the SNES one? Because I admit, from my own research, I didn't listen to the Genesis one. I kind of wish I would have, because I think I would have had them. you not listen? You said you were a Genesis kid. How'd you? I, 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 yeah, I guarantee you, I know it in my head, but it's not like I can like hum it because I didn't do it for the research for this particular episode. I wish I should have, but I, but admittedly, I didn't. I think I don't know if Josh listened to it, but I know you said you did. I did, and like, I mean, a lot of people when they con- compare consoles, they say that the Genesis one sounds more tinny. I think, but tinny quite isn't the word. Is it not tinny? What is it then? Super Nintendo would be tinny. I would call the Genesis farty or funky, depending. Farty or farty? Farty. <laughs> F-A-R-T-I. I mean, in general, not just with Mortal Kombat. No, like Genesis is usually characterized by just these really, for lack of a better word, farty <laughs> instruments uh, that mm. have their own flavor that, uh, yeah, Super Nintendo, at least as far as like MK's music, I would call, yes, tinny. Uh, well, okay. well, actually, I, I have I have an example if you, if you'd like. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have y'all listen to three different versions of the Pit uh, from the arcade, from the Super Nintendo, and uh, from the Genesis. And uh, I actually like the Super Nintendo's version, which is the whole reason I wanted to share this one because it has a they did something a little different with it. Uh, but I'll go ahead and uh, post y'all uh, the Pit, which. Isn't even I wouldn't call it the best track out of Mortal Kombat One, but it'll be interesting to see how the Genesis handles it. So here's the pit, the arcade version. Give okay. a give a listen here. All right. I love the drum beats for this. I think the drum beats are the funnest part. Yeah, no, this one's pretty also, heavy, actually. Also, keep in mind, this is all done in text. This is all done in text. Wow. <laughs> all of it's done in text. So, like, there is no, like, somewhere recording a drum beat with a microphone. He's just, like, typing no. zeros and ones. No, they're, they are coding all of this music. This is a digital instrument that he, he put in, like, okay... When A, F, if B, whatever the fuck. And and he, he went home and, and, you know, fucking smoked a bowl. Yeah. Came back and this is what I got. 
right. I kind of uh, love that because that just means that, like, what? In my head, I had this great image of Dan Forden actually, like, hitting a keyboard with all of his might as he records all this stuff. And then he's, like, typing stuff on a computer and treating his keys on his keyboard as, like, the keys to, like, a piano. And he's just rocking out 80 synth style. Ah, that makes me happy. I don't think it. I don't think it would quite work. No, that no. It's but I have really this image. Boring. But Josh, I have this image in my head, and I want to keep the purity of that image in my head. Well, we'll go with it. I'm find a picture of Dan Ford and rocking it the fuck out to a mechanical cherry keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, I'm going to share with you the the Super Nintendo rendition, which uh, we've been saying how inferior the Super Nintendo soundtrack was. I actually mm-hmm. prefer this one, and I'll tell you why after I post it. You might not agree with me, but here's the Super Nintendo version of The Pit. Yeah, this is the one that I listen to. But you know what, though, Josh? When I listen to this one, it kind of reminds me of a lot of the other, um, a lot of the other games that had this kind of sound back into it. Like I don't know, I kind of feel like I heard this somewhere in a Castlevania game somewhere. I mean, it totally sounds like it could be right in a Castlevania game since Castlevania Super for Castlevania Four and the fucking Super Nintendo. I'll tell you why I like this one though. The reason I like this one is they have a lot of more emphasis on that first. I don't even know what the fucking instrument is. I'm not musically inclined, but the you know that part. Mm. It's got a yeah. lot more emphasis and oomph on it, and right. there's something about that combined with the art on the stage. If you recall the Super Nintendo version, the clouds are moving a lot faster than they are in the arcade. In the arcade, they're just kind of drifting by. In the Super Nintendo, it looks like a foul wind is blowing the clouds very swiftly. And you're way high... A foul wind, yes. And you're way high up on this bridge, and it awakens in me phobia. Like, it makes me think of... Like, when you see storm clouds blown by really fast, or anything in the sky that's big and shouldn't be moving fast, like a jet plane or something like that. Maybe it's a personal thing, but it makes me on edge. And fear Mm. of heights, and just... That specific emphasis on that that instrument, like I really like. I always had a memory of this track of the pit, even though the arcade version is perhaps maybe objectively better. I don't know. I I, I wanted to share huh. this one, but you could you could see the complete difference uh, between yeah. The, the, there's, there's a different emphasis on different types, different yeah. parts of the instrumental. Yeah. Which uh, speaking of fucking different, <laughs> here's a goddamn Genesis version. <laughs> Which, Jay, yeah, you you played it as a kid, but if you don't remember, uh, here's what a fucking Sega Genesis does to the pit theme. That sounds really fucking funky. I kind of love it. Right, way different. Yeah, it's too. way. It's, it's very not even the different. same. It's not even the fucking same theme. Yeah, but I dig it. <laughs> 
think I'm just biased to the Genesis. Yeah, I, maybe. Like, yeah. Like I said, I've sh- I've shit on the Genesis as a whole as far as its and sound capabilities ago. Like done that to mine. I like I sh- just took a dump all over it and put I it mean, into this, the cartridge slot too. It's weird. That, that really wasn't me, up. dude. You, how'd that you know? You? How'd you know it was me? I. You have a certain smell. Uh, yeah. Well, Genesis is only good to shit on stuff. So. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> now apparently Screw not. You. Apparently not. It had, a, you know, Mortal Kombat 1 on Genesis, besides also having blood. As you just heard, funky soundtrack. Like, I, I, I listened to a couple, uh, like, long ago, even before we did this goddamn podcast, uh, there was a, a, some DJ did, like, you know, just a mortal funk, you know, and it was a stage music I didn't recognize, and it was it was from the Genesis version. I'm like, oh, man, the Genesis version is fucking funky. Yeah. Like, literally 90% of the stage tracks are just, like, they abandoned it and did their own thing. Or Matt Furnish, you could say, abandoned it and did his own thing. And, hey, props to him. For real, man. Would you say that uh, MK1 on the Genesis uh, deviates more from the arcade than, like, MK2 Genesis deviates from the arcade? MK2 Genesis isn't fresh in my mind. I think... I think it's Matt Furness. Or MK3, even. MK3's is the one that tries to be as close, and uh, Matt Furness didn't work on 3. He did work on 2, I believe. But 2, I think they did less of their original thing, and they still tried to ape what the arcade was. And unfortunately, I can't... I didn't bring up a lot of them as examples, and I can't think of any of them in my head. Uh, I did play the Genesis version a little bit for MK2 episode, but... Unfortunately, I also played the GOG version of 2, which had an MIDI soundtrack. It fucking sounded yeah, like sure. ass. Oh, God. Ugh. Oh, yeah. that, sounds, yeah. that sounds pretty terrible. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think MK1 was the, the, the crown crown achievement as far as Matt Furness's MK work goes. I know I yeah. know. just to give like Mortal Kombat 1, I guess, some cred. Um, it's, I feel like Mortal Kombat 1's boss music, um, Goro's Lair specifically, is actually better than Mortal Kombat 2. Goro's Lair... Mortal Kombat 2 is foreboding. It does have more of the more of a mood, but it's also kind of like mellow to me. I think that like Goro's Lair and MK1 sounds a bit more hype and more high energy and kind of feels like, oh god, like what is this grotesquely horrible thing I'm about to fight and why? Well it's like Mortal Kombat 2 is just like, okay, this is it. Here we go again. <laughs> like you're just like tired. Like Mortal Kombat 2's Goro's Lair kind of feels like okay, I get to, I have to fight you again or something, which you're just fighting, you know, Kentaro, aka Furry Goro, but still. Um, but in Goro's Lair One, there's just more oomph, like it really, it's more adrenaline pumping to me, um, and I find that sort of an interesting choice where the first game has more high energy for its bosses, and then in the second game, it's got a more satisfying outro for when you beat Mortal Kombat 2, but the actual, uh, but the boss, or at least, um, Kentaro's lair, or Kentaro's, like, theme, or Forgoer's lair, I guess I should say, just sounds well, a lot you more can fight Kentaro in that, that, the courtyard, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the same track that plays when you fight in the courtyard normally, right? Mm. Or, or is that, is that wrong? I, I, I admit I can't comment on it. I, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it if it was the same one, unfortunately. And I can't even hear Goro's Lair's theme music, except it's... I'll embarrass myself of a hummet, it, because it's not really a hummable tune, yeah, but I just it's, remember, it's like... Not, um, 
which it's called Goro's Lair, but I would not call this Goro's theme because, like, correct, yeah, because like one and two, at least for what what they consider to be Goro's Lair, sounds radically different. But and because it sounds different, you don't really know which one you really want to associate Goro with. Do you associate with one? Do you associate it with two? Like, you kind of just don't know. This is why, like, again, the music was created not to be character themes like your brain kind of initially wants to associate it with, but it's more like, okay, story, narrative, and mood. It's really apparent in Mortal Kombat 3, at least to me, because there's a lot of, like, sounds that, based on what stage it's on, it's really trying to push that, to push the narrative of the story and the mood even more so, almost more so than two, in my opinion. It's not really trying to be like, oh, these are these are character specific victory themes or character specific like um, loss themes or anything like that. It's I almost kind of feel like it was done on purpose to differentiate itself from Street Fighter, since Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter were were pretty big rivals in, um, in the times of Mortal Kombat one, two, and three, and Street Fighter two, and then going into Street Fighter, um, going into the Street Fighter Alpha series like later on. Mm. So I mean. I kind of wonder if, like, if there's any confirmation of that, if that was the idea that, like, hey, let's put more emphasis on narrative and story with our music as opposed to character themes because we want to be different. Um, since Street Fighter Two, for better or worse, was the more popular game at the time. For a period. Yeah, for a period, yeah. Like, I, like a good example of this, Josh, and you've seen, is, like, The Church. So, I'm, I'm talking about Mortal Kombat 3 with this one, but The Church actually has that organ sound, which, of course, you're always mm-hmm. going to associate an organ... With a church. And of course, there's no way that, that this is not done on purpose. Oh, yeah. And of course, it has that sort of theme kind of going for it. Even the graveyard in 3 has this sort of like weird, almost like tech funk sound to it. But it sounds... It's got a tech funk, but it's got some uh, air uh, instruments. Yeah. Give it kind of this, this ooh mm-hmm. feeling. And it definitely is more moody to that a little bit um and two though one thing i kind of love about two this is why i consider it kind of the better soundtrack of uh, um of the, at least the first three games is that it really does some cool things with some instrument instruments that i wanted to mention the portal and the battle arena they use um the xylophone to great effect in that particular track and i never realized how much i love the xylophone until i actually listened to this soundtrack again because it's one of those like musical instruments you just don't expect you know it feels like wait the xylophone has like a very pleasant almost tingy tangy kind of sound to it and it just sounds you just wouldn't associate it with people basically murdering each other on a stage but the xylophone is totally used in conjunction with music where people are murdering each other on a stage. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny when you think about it like that because it's got to just, it's such a pleasant sound. Um, it really kind of is. And the way it's mixed with the other instruments, like with the guitar and everything, and how it changes the tune is just, I always found that kind of creatively ambitious and neat. And it's things like that that propel Mortal Kombat 2 because I feel like it's taking more risk. It's being more ambitious than what 3 was trying to do. Absolutely. Wait, two's more ambitious than three? You think so? I think so, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think three is more ambitious. I mean, ambition doesn't mean that it works better. It just they tried True. a lot more things with y- Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. the jump from one to two was more wide than the jump from two to three. But it cause... still had hints of that, you know... Uh, the Asian influence... Asian... Uh, just but just the fact that they had like so much more instruments to play with, like the xylophone right. and the the air flutes for the living forest, and just the instrumentation is instantly like so much more rich. 
uh, versus like the big difference between two and three is obviously yeah the style they ditched the Asian influence and kind of did that you know techno funk futuristic thing. Yeah, I think Which... yeah one to two would be the biggest bigger jump. Oh, so definitely Dave might yeah. be right. Yeah, one is very specific in what it's trying to do. It's of course much like the rest of Mortal Kombat. One is trying to it's using like the Asian stereotypes to be the sort this sort of Enter the Dragon ripoff kind of thing. And the music kind of fits with that. It, I don't think there's much real question about that. But two is when it sort of like carved out its own identity for itself. And it shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's actually kind of fascinating to listen to Mortal Kombat 1 and then 2 and 3. Because you, you see the transition almost in real time where they're trying they're trying different stuff. And again, I give Dan Forden a lot of credit for that. Because he it shows that he's growing as an artist while he's actually trying to come up with these new ideas because the game is sort of carving out its own identity for itself. I, I do think that's kind of cool because it shows it shows growth of the franchise as a whole. It's not stagnant in one thing. It's kind of like taking its roots and then uh, evolving past what it was. And the music is a big contributor to that. So mm. I think like I think it actually I, I think it's it doesn't get enough praise for that because I, I found it kind of fun just to listen to all three soundtracks and sort of see that um or hear that i guess you could say in real time um but i admit this is where kind of like where my research kind of ends because i don't know what the music is like in say mortal kombat 4 and deadly alliance and armageddon like no one's really sort of mentioned anything to me about the music for those games i mean josh you you've played those games recently so do you think that those games have anything interesting as well it's interesting uh, like uh Forden still had an involvement in those games. Uh, I can't think of anything for four right off the top of my head. We, have, especially since we haven't played that yet. There's, there's still stuff like that's worth saying uh, that I do remember still clearly in my head. The character select screen to Deadly Alliance, which Dan Forden did work on. Right. Uh, I. I uh, it's got a lot. It's got a lot more funk. That literally to it. means nothing to me. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and he worked on Deception, Armageddon. He took more of a back seat, and he actually wasn't involved in the music of that. He just kind of had an overseer thing. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, in Nine, he he was still there, and he actually did. You know, Nine was an opportunity to do remixes of all the old, uh, the familiar stage musics, uh, and. Even up to eleven, uh, he still has more of a background role in eleven. But he did do the music for the Sea of Blood stage, for example. Yeah, which some people said that definitely sounds Mortal Kombat. I think it's mm-hmm. I it's it's an eight track. Uh, it definitely sounds Mortal Kombat. Once again, now he has like an infinite, full stereo, you know, instruments to work with and stuff like that, and it sounds way more like fuller. full orchestras and yeah. All that. But I'm kind of of the opinion that when you have less to work with. You come out with more. But yeah, just, I can agree I with that. So. Yeah. Uh, here's a question. Yeah. Uh, since we're focusing on MK123 for the music, uh, I didn't really look too much into this, but like, how different is the music for like Ultimate or Trilogy as opposed to... Well, three? they're largely the same. Ultimate, of course, only added uh, music for the new stages, which is Jade's Desert, as Jay mentioned, mm-hmm. one of his favorite tracks. Uh, yeah. And Hell, or, uh, you know, Nether Realm, and, and so forth. Trilogy, I don't even know if there's any mu- new music added for Trilogy. Except for that attract mode thing that I, I 
hummed earlier the da, 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 da. but yeah. I'm pretty sure that was an ultimate that was an ultimate like, yeah. okay yeah so I don't know if yeah, anything I was, new was added for trilogy yeah I wasn't think that there would be too much of a difference between trilogy and ultimate because we already kind of went over how like trilogy they basically didn't they didn't want to of course an- reanimate new sprite animation which is why we get Johnny Cage with no freaking nut punch yeah yeah I mean among uh, among other things um, and how they reused older sprites so they could have, like, you know, classic Sub-Zero and all that sort of stuff. So it, I don't find that surprising. Trilogy, when I think about it more and more and more, is just sort of like DLC before it was DLC, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, uh, and so if they added, like, new stages and new music, I mean, I admit it, it wasn't on my radar to actually try and research it. So if... If there was something, I would love for our audience to point it out because I don't think, uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think any of us like looked into that. I did not. Mm. No. I, but I don't recall anything from the Combat Trilogy um, that where they added anything new. Um, I think there were some new stages in Trilogy. I could be wrong, but I think that there were. Or just <sighs> basically new colors of certain stages. You know, we covered but, Trilogy. <laughs> Tech Kind of. We barely touched on it. Yeah, like I kind of, I wouldn't mind playing it since technically I haven't played it. I just would. To, yeah, Spoilers, I would. It's but not good. It's not good. I kind of want to play it just so I can play Johnny Cage and realize that I don't have a complete Johnny Cage. I have some bastardization of Johnny Cage mm. in front of me. <laughs> I don't. I, I, mean, I think Johnny Cage is a bastard. Son. He is a bastard. I mean, he is, but he's my bastard, and I want my bastard in his in, in top form, and that requires a nut punch, which he doesn't have, which means he's not in top form. So I can't, I form. can't accept him. <laughs> so I do think they they may have added an alternate colored uh, portal stage for trilogy, and of course they added you know MK1 era stages like the courtyard and all that. Uh, interestingly enough, they did add the, the the pit, but it's not the pit from the arcade version of MK1. Mm. With the clouds, instead it has a sparkly, starlit sky. It's almost kind of spooky looking. I don't know why, but yeah, it's completely different than what the pit looked like in Mortal Kombat 1. As far as the, how the music goes, I'll tell you what, when we're done with this, I had to listen to the Mortal Kombat Trilogy OSD, see if there's any differences. Yeah, it might be interesting just to see if there actually is something for that. But yeah, like, it wasn't, it like... Again, it wasn't on my radar for it, unfortunately. Um, I just listened to the first three soundtracks of it. But I will say, Josh, fun fact, I did I did at least find out this information. We won't be talking about the music about this game, but I can say that when we get around to playing MK Mythology Sub-Zero, the OTS for that game is 39 minutes in length, which is around the exact same time of length that MK1 and 2 is. But MK3, so far, at least in the first, like, couple of games that we've been sort of like going through is the longest the mk3 ots is 47 minutes in length so it's kind of interesting that the next game that comes after mk3 which i guess chronologically i don't know what order sub-zero mythology i believe sub-zero came out right before i mean they both came out at the same time uh four and sub-zero but i think sub-zero is considered the next one after three yeah well it's it has a short yeah it has a shorter it has a shorter ots OST, um, or I'm way. sorry, OST. It has a shorter OST than Mortal Kombat 3. So I, I found that interesting, too. Interesting. There probably is a lot of recycled music in uh, mythologies, but yeah, that's that's something that I didn't listen to any mythology stuff for this episode, so. No, I didn't either. Honestly. Dan Forden, by the way, worked on mythology, so. Okay. So if, anyth- if anything else, 
this, the music will probably be good. Yeah, or uh, at least be game. at least be in line with the rest of the series. Yeah, which, True. like I said, as I pointed out, Mortal Kombat has pretty much had a pretty uh, consistent musical sound throughout the series, even the PS2 games, because Dan Ford was always there, and there's always you know it's, it's evolved a little bit. Uh, now, Mortal Kombat 11, for example, uh, you probably do, Yasin or Jay, have the main menu theme stuck in your head? Can you think For of that? For 11, yeah, it's like da, this da, 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 da. It, it's, it's sort really of ominous. It's, it's an ominous theme because it kind of goes into it. It's not like, what, there's a flute playing where it's just yeah. like... It's yeah. got at least three or four different sections that are distinct, but... Uh, it's very annoying because you'll hear it a fucking lot because it's in every sub menu, every main menu. Like the theme never changes. It's so weird. Yeah, that like, is not Dan Forden. Uh, that is actually uh, the other main composer for Eleven. Which, if I scroll down in my notes, I can tell you. But he was basically responsible for the story mode. Like uh, the the people that did the music for the stages. And uh, the people that did the music for the actual story mode are two different teams, which is why you'll notice MK11's stages sound more Mortal Kombat-y. Whereas, you know, the, the, the fucking the story mode and, yes, the main menus sound very much more stereotypical movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. like, they... Because now that you mention it, Josh, when I'm thinking about like Mortal Kombat music in 9, 10, and 11, I can kind of remember like the character select screen and how different that they were, because they do have some differentiated. But when I actually am playing like the actual story mode of the game, there really isn't too much in the way of memorable music from 9, 10, or 11 that I can recall. It just feels like basic background, kind of background music. music. Yeah. Yeah. And that that doesn't that doesn't mean it's a bad thing because maybe based on what you want to do with your game and your like in and your narrative and your story maybe that's what it calls for maybe that's where you want it to go and there's nothing wrong with that but it also if you don't want it to be memorable in any way or that's not what you're going for then it's almost like okay because I can't I couldn't hum to you any theme from. Uh, any stage theme, I should say, from Mortal Kombat 9, 10, or 11 off the top of my head. I'd actually would have to li- like actually watch a YouTube video of someone playing on whatever stage it is and just kind of listen to it and be like, okay, what about this is interesting? I can hear uh, Sea of Blood, Dan Forden's stage from 11 in my head, but I'm not going to hum it because it's not really hummable. It's more, and that's not a knock against Dan Forden, but it's more, it's, you know, like background flavor. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm I'm pretty bad at this, like as far as like recognizing music, like unless this music is like really stands out and is beaten into my brain, like I don't, it doesn't register. Like like for example, um, any of the music from like MK2 probably, right? Mm-hmm. I'll note like you know when you go through the tower, like a lot of the times it's a certain order of stages, about all the time. Yeah, like, and it I starts can, to get a pattern in your head. Right, and I know the earlier ones more because when I was a kid, like, I didn't always get to the higher levels. <laughs> then, like, <laughs> I would just play the, the, the lower levels over and over and over again, so those are beaten to my head. Um, yeah, and, but, like, you know, Mortal Kombat 11, I played that game a lot. I've played 10 more, but 
I guess because I'm just so concentrated on the fight, I'm not paying attention to the music at all. Yeah, no, I feel and the it. and the music kind of fades into the background, which I guess is supposed to, what it's supposed to do. A little bit. I mean, you're not supposed because to because there's have so to think much there's it. so much sound effects with like what the characters are doing, and I feel like in the older games, there were less sound effects to battle against the music. That is, yeah, you are correct. I feel like sir. the music was more prominent in the old older games because there was I don't know, there was just there was just less sound effects to work with. I don't know. No, no, that makes sense. No, I think, I think, I think you got it on the head. I will say though, like Sea of Blood, the only reason I do have it in my head is because, well, I listened to it recently, realizing that that was a Dan Forden uh, joint. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, it's not super remarkable. A lot of people actually do like it because, like, holy fuck, it actually sounds Mortal Kombat Eleven. Finally, sounds like Mortal Kombat. Uh, But it's a basic track. It's it's nothing compared to. The most memorable for me tracks from like the first three games, but overall, like even from the first three games, uh, yeah, I'll fully agree with you. It's meant to be kind of background noise. It's yeah. meant to be, you know, it's like it's just tempo with a few exceptions, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's Mortal Kombat. That's what Mortal yeah. Kombat is. Yeah, there, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because I mean, in this way, I think it's become part of like Mortal Kombat's identity. Like, I, admittedly. We've talked in the past about rumors about what MK12 or um, what the narrative for that game is going to be. But I really think that, and we and we even kind of touched on what would be probably the most interesting thing that they would do that would like shock you, that would just be very unmoral combat that they would do in the future, or things they would bring back. Mm. And we didn't mention this, but I think one of them was is that if they actually did character theme music. So like if they have characters and each character has their own theme music to them, that is distinctive. Like imagine Liu Kang with his own theme. I don't. I really kind of I mean, can't envision we, what we, that. We would have be. at least seven character themes, thanks to the Immortals. Yeah, that's true. Wait. Fireball. What? I don't that's, know where he's going. I, I don't know where he's going with this. That's either. from Immortals, the fucking Mortal Kombat, the album by the Immortals. None of y'all fucking losers have listened to it. I fucking have it in cassette tape. Fuck y'all. I'm I'm not a pure fan anymore. You've no. seen I, I I can't compare to this. And, and they they they, 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 they sample his wah, wah, to a beat in it right after the part where I cut off. Uh, I'll link it to you later. It's a good. I'll I'll link the whole goddamn album to you later. It's a good listen. I love okay. Kano's theme. Kano's theme actually makes me choke up a little bit. <laughs> I like it's how it's Kano's lyrics. theme that makes you choke up because Kano is not a character you choke up at. That's the thing. The song kind of you know plays with you. Uh, it's the lyrics, man. I'll post that too. I'll post the whole album. It's good. Scorpion's theme's all right. But the only thing I can think of, if Scorpion had a theme, the only thing in my mind is uh fucking uh that Fear Factory song. What was oh it yeah, that one. Um, the one where he's fighting uh, Johnny Cage. Zero signal. Zero signal. Yeah. Yep. Zero signal. Yeah. That's all I could think of. If I think if Scorpion had a theme, that's it. To the point where I I wish that was the music in the Nether Realm stage in Ultimate MK3. Yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome. Oh man, like I would right. love it. Um, if they somehow because Spear Factory, I think they're still around, but they haven't been doing much lately. I would love for them to do music for a Formal Combat game again. That or. Um, a game period. I don't think they ever yeah. did music. For Not a game to at any point slight there. the people that do work on it right now. Uh, oh, which by the way, the guy that worked on the MK11 
uh, score for the story mode in the main menu. His name is, I had to double check from my notes because I thought I mistypoed it, but it's Wilbert Rodgett. Not Roger, but Wilbert Rodgett, uh, who did the score for that. But not to slighten him or Dan Forden, but wouldn't it be cool if they did, like, for a future Mortal Kombat game? Maybe not a mainline one, maybe like a MK versus DC type thing. Invite, mm. invite bands to do stage music. Like a Vite Fear Factory or, you know, fucking corn or something, you know, just to do corn. like, why not? I don't know. I just pulled it out of my ass. <laughs> That's, that seems like the, the most like, like somebody, yeah, some, some Mortal Kombat fans I want to hear. I mean, it's possible. Personally, I would like for them to, you know, what was that, Josh? Do you know the name of that band that did the song from the movie? I, I, I don't know. God, I don't know them. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to hear that band actually do a song from Mortal Kombat game. I think that would be a lot of fun. And again, I know we're just kind of like speculating this at some point because I don't want to, again, I don't want to say that we don't like the great Dan uh, Forden. Um, I would just like to see, a, I guess, like a, a bit of a shakeup in Mortal Kombat, like, like the music for the games. Because I think it's always been about you know, the flow of the story and the narrative. And I think it would be interesting as sort of a a post add-on to one of our previous episodes where we talked about what we want to see for the future of NK is that the, if Mortal Kombat's 12 music kind of pushes the... It, I guess kind of pushes the ambition a bit more forward and wants to do more of like a more high-energy theme song instead of this like sort of moody forebodingness. There's nothing wrong with it, but I kind of... I would kind of love to see a change in that because... I mean, if there's one thing that I do love about fighting games in general, not just Mortal Kombat, but in general, but I do love the music for a lot of fighting games. Like, Tekken has a lot of great music, if you really Oh my to god, it. Tekken has so, just fucking... I'm yeah. A, sorry, I was about to look <laughs> Yeah, te- like, te- like, we, like, we talked about how iconic Street Fighter's music is. Tekken has DJs, great music. By the way, DJs, love, I've seen, like, DJ react videos to, like, like when the Infinite Azure... Soundtrack comes on and some guy oh, just yeah. loses his shit. I don't know. Tekken has fucking great music. I get nostalgic yeah. when I hear Tekken Seven music just because it makes me think of us playing Tekken Seven. Yeah, and it's true. <laughs> one day we'll get back one, to that. One day, yeah. there's a song in there, but I can't think of it. And actually, like, and, and we haven't talked too much about other fighting games, but actually, um, you see, when you and I are playing Gaur and Mark of the Wolves, the music in that game is really good. Actually, oh, it's it groovy, was, man. Yeah, it's very groovy. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, what I think one one thing that me and my friends used to hum, like used to hum a lot in college was two specific themes. One was a, uh, and it's going to get stuck in everyone's head, but it's the uh, Marvel versus Capcom two screen selection music. Um, I'm going to take you for a ride. I know you see knows what that is. Yeah, that like that'll get stuck in your head, and then also. From Capcom versus SNK two, because everyone's gonna know when I like when I start singing it. Is this true love we're making? Wow! Is this man? This true sounds some like cringe shit. Uh, Characters on like screen like, start having lyrics. <laughs> it sounds like anime, like ending yes. songs. Yeah. Oh, oh well, dude, hold on! Now I'm thinking of the third strike. Select. What, how's that go, Jay? What? Dun, 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 uh, Street Fighter third. Street Fighter three. Oh, yeah. And there's some uh, really uh, fucking cringe rap lyrics to it. Select a fighter. Da, 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 da. I'm not going to sing it because I'm going to butcher say, it and it's going to be say terrible. They, they, they reference the number three in it because yes, it's Yes, they do. Yes, yeah, they do. 
But the actual, like, tunes in Third Strike are great. Like, the music in Third Strike is fantastic. I mean, there's a reason why it's my favorite fighting game of all time. It's not just because of how balanced it is, and I won't go too much into it, but the music is iconic in that game, too. Like, Street Fighter has always had good music. Even 4 and 5 have pretty decent music in it, but it's not memorable the way the first, like, Street Fighter 2, the Alpha series, and um, and all three versions of Street Fighter 3 are. Like, they really pushed it. It's 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 good stuff. But yeah, I kind of want that for Mortal Kombat, though. Because Mortal Kombat, it's got... I, I feel like games 1, 2, and 3 have distinctive enough music to where it's fun to listen to. But it, until we actually play some of the more PS2-era games, I can't comment on those. But 9, 10, and 11 doesn't really have much going for it music-wise that I can recall. Like, I, I, I would... I, at some point, I would like to do... Like to listen to the uh, the OSTs. Um, on YouTube if they're available. I think they are, but I'd like to listen to them just to see if there's actually something in there. But off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. And I find it kind of sad because like now, these days, Mortal Kombat games have big... They have much bigger budgets now. They could totally do that. It's just, I don't think there's there's not really much of a drive for it. Boy, man, ended on a downer. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Like, there's always more hope. I mean, hell, like... We know we're going to get another game, so they could always surprise us. I mean, it, it's true. And well, I, I, I wonder if it's just the type of music that's. I think that's just exactly it. Because as I've said, Mortal Kombat music. Oh, go, go listen to Deception and 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 and, and uh, Deadly Lines after we're done talking here. Uh, Mortal Kombat music. It's a. There's been some evolution, and there's been a little bit of change, but it's mostly been consistent throughout the game series. Uh, and I'm, I'm, it's funny, I'm thinking of the fucking music from Defenders of the Realm and Conquest, and that has its own flavor, which is more kind of flavored after the movie. It's like this weird hybrid of the movie soundtrack and the games, or at least what it interprets the games to be. But uh, I think I think it's thanks to those that Mortal Kombat is forever identified with techno, but if you're just going off of the games, it's more of this, yeah, underscored tempo in the background. Yeah, with, mm-hmm. there are memorable tracks in my head. Like I said, I, I've, I've spat a couple of them throughout us talking here. But I guess it sounds like a slight against Mortal Kombat, but it, it's more about the mood than it is about a, a specific memorable motif or theme. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would say like, like for example, like Street Fighter or you know the Cap, uh, Marvel's Capcom games or Tekken. They're a lot more bombastic as far as like energy. Mm. They're a lot more in your face with their style and like overall presentation, especially like the Marvel's Capcom games. I feel like Tekken is a bit more subdued, but it's still powerful as far as imagery goes. So then I think that lends yeah. to the music as well. And here's the thing about Tekken. I love the Tekken music, but I would have a hard time once again humming a theme from any stage to you right now. Mm. I can hear them clear in my head. Tekken's more just, it's got this... Well, Tekken's like trance music. You can't fucking hum trance music, you know? It's yeah. just got this full sound to it. It's very full, that makes sense. Yeah, if, I, if that I does make sense. It's memorable to me, though. It's like, like I said, the, the, the Polish uh, president's theme. <laughs> I just can't but, not... I listen to that for, like, fucking the whole entire day at work, just on loop. I fucking yeah. love that theme. Yeah, like, uh, but I also think that Mortal Kombat... Because of like what they want to do, I feel like that because it wants to be moody with this music, it's kind of carved out 
um, its own, it's like its own identity for the type of game that it is. And I know we've mentioned this, I think this third time that there's nothing that there's really nothing wrong with that. So if they did take the music in another direction, it would very much be noticeable. But I can't mm-hmm. say that would be a good or a bad thing. It would just be a thing. But I do feel that some of the earlier things that it's tried to do with this music, I feel like it deserves credit for trying for being consistent and staying where it is because it kind of knows what it wants to be. The movies yeah. and the shows all kind of base everything off the iconic soundtrack of the first movie. And it's kind of, in a way, always been an homage to that first movie soundtrack because of how iconic it was. You know, you, just, you see this all the time. So it's this weird sort of almost like, I guess you could say like weird like influence war going on where like Mortal Kombat media is trying to, uh, I guess, conquer the Mortal Kombat game music and they're kind of clashing a little bit because the the music for the games is its own thing and then the media of everything else is now in this in its own realm of this own thing like high energy techno versus like down tempo forebodingness <laughs> I guess you could say it's kind yeah. of it's kind of interesting when you look at it uh, that way because that means that the media and the games are, are almost sort of carving out their own individual identities through their music. And it's kind of interesting to watch when you look at it. I bet Street Fighter and Tekken has some of the same stuff, but we don't really talk about the Street Fighter movies too much. Can um, you remember much of the music from the Street Fighter movie? Honestly, Josh, no. I mean, however, in, in the future, we will be talking about the Street Fighter movie, but not today. <laughs> but not the today. Ex- <laughs> But the music from any of the Street Fighter movies, the many of them, by the way, uh, hasn't really rung too many bells for me. Um, although the animated Street Fighter movie actually does have a pretty kick-ass intro, in my opinion. <laughs> um, I don't give a jack shit about any of the animated movies. Did I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said that. But that's okay. Um, just about it. Anybody who's into fighting games has, I guarantee you, you've seen the Street Fighter anime movie because they've only released it like freaking 70 gajillion times <laughs> since it ever came out. <laughs> oh, you mean just like Street Fighter 2? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But there's a reason why. Maybe one day we'll watch it, but not today. <laughs> not today. But yeah, but like, dude, like, like Mortal Kombat music. I do feel that after listening to it, I've got, I've gained more of an appreciation, at least for the first three games, music, but mostly for for its creative ambition. Uh, it started off as its own thing. Where, you know, you have this sort of Enter the Dragon sort of inspired, like, sort of thing going on. And then it carves out its own identity with new musical instruments and ambition. And then it kind of goes into Mortal Kombat 3 with its story, narrative, and flow. While also still trying to maintain the mood for its theme stages. And it's sort of interesting to see that it went this route. And I was surprised, again, that I could just play, I could play these, these, both these um, soundtracks now. And sit and do whatever. And it would never bother me. Like, no track, period, in any of the soundtracks annoyed me. Like, I didn't feel like I have to change this or I have to turn it off. I even guarantee you that if I'm out somewhere just biking, you know, for a long time, I could listen to all three soundtracks and I could, like, just get into my zone when I'm biking and just listen to all three soundtracks and be fine. Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect background music. I, yeah, I totally really put it on for work. If only the soundtracks were longer, <laughs> so uh, I guess yeah. I could get a playlist of one, two, and three yeah. going on. You know. Well, to be fair, the a lot of the tracks in those first three Are short, yeah, uh, games. Well, they they just repeat over and over and over and over again for like two, three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the same thing. 
like they do. I mean, if you're going to do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that if it's actually a good tune. Because I will admit, I've I've put the street on a playlist uh, yeah. for work. So yeah, because like as a, as an example, one of my favorite gaming soundtracks of all time is the Metroid Prime soundtrack, and all those songs have a lot of the same beats too. In fact, as you go through that game they even throw in slight remixes to those same themes as you progress, but it's all yeah. most of the same stuff. And it never got boring to me, like, ever. And Metroid Prime, to kind of give that Metroid game Prime has a very unique soundtrack to it. Like, it's there's, very, there's, very unique. Metroid Prime has less motifs in it so much as it is mood, and anytime there is kind of a theme, it's a callback to, what, fucking Super Metroid, you know? So... Yeah, that's that's a that's a soundtrack that's totally mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the mm-hmm. on the opposite uh, uh, spectrum, uh, Doom, fucking Mick Gordon's Doom, could be considered all mood because uh, I am not a fan of of Doom New Doom's music because uh, if you compare it to to old Doom, old Doom as you know recognizable themes, and it's not all fucking heavy metal. There's there's an eclectic mix of styles in it. Where's uh, Mick Garris? Mick Mick Garris is a fucking movie director. What did I say? Mick Gordon. <laughs> yeah, Mick Gordon. Um, <laughs> is it's not as I'm simplifying it, but I would characterize this soundtrack as noise. However, I've mm-hmm. listened. I've I've used his uh, Doom soundtrack as background uh, when I've been working some particularly stressful accounts uh, at my job. Where I'm just driving, you know, going 60 miles an hour for eight hours, and uh, some good demon killer music is perfect thing to have on in the background. I mean, dude, like I can't say anything. I love McGordon's um, Doom uh, Doom uh, soundtrack. I actually would play that in my car and headbang to it while driving down the freeway. It's a lot of fun. So <laughs> that sounds dangerous. I don't know if I could do that. I think I'm the weird one out. I don't listen to game soundtracks or like movie soundtracks i don't listen to movie soundtracks much but i definitely as i've aged maybe just because it's the best thing to have in the background if i'm working on something is something without lyrics so i i enjoy yeah video game music uh especially if it's a game i've played and i have you know attachment to it you know maybe i should start doing that i just never i think it's because i just don't recognize music a lot of the time in in media that isn't music if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that, like you guys I, I, ask me. I, 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 I get say, what you mean, yeah. Huh? I get what you mean in media that isn't music, yeah. Yeah, because you guys regularly, like, we would go to a movie or we'd watch a movie together or something, and then you guys would talk about certain music cues or something like that, and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember anything, because I was just like so into the movie or whatever. Like, I don't. It all kind of goes together to the overall experience, but I never really. Which Unless, really again. is it's supposed to do, because uh, it's, it's something uh, film composer Akira Fukube, the creator of the original mm-hmm. Godzilla theme, mm-hmm. once said, he said he didn't understand why people listen to movie soundtracks by themselves. Yeah. Because in his eyes, they're supposed to go with the movie. So he, he didn't like that people listen to soundtracks without watch you know, without the movie, you know, to accompany it. I get but, that, but I also think... If you've watched the movie and enjoyed it, it can connect you back to the movie without watching it again. I've had yeah two two sides to that. It's like where like it's a lot more rewarding to listen to the soundtrack when you've seen the movie and your mind Absolutely. starts being like that part. 
But I've, I've been like in anticipation of certain movies. We'll listen to the soundtrack first. And sometimes it blows me away. Like, oh man, this is, if, if it's a good soundtrack, I'll be like, oh man, that's really good. I wonder how it's going to be used in the movie. You know, it almost like makes me anticipate the movie. And you know, yeah, maybe Akira Fukube's opinion isn't totally valid because now we have a whole thing of people, you know, we sell movie soundtracks in stores. And yeah. Whatnot. And, and uh, but I guess we notice it. I'm sorry, Jay. Uh, we notice it when we see movies, too, because movie soundtracks uh, lately kind of suck. A lot of shit sounds generic, so that when something is good, it jumps out at me. And so maybe me or Jay might point it out when a movie has a good soundtrack. I I would say it's... I'm not going to say it's iconic, but to kind of respond to you, Josh, a little bit, I think movie soundtracks are still, like, can still can be pretty good, though they're not, like, iconically good. Like, um, Oh, they can be. Like, okay, for example, I'll, I'll do a shitty one and, and a good one. Uh, shitty one. What's a shitty movie I've seen lately? Okay, we saw Resident Evil, uh, the fucking uh, Welcome to Rackham City. I actually like the movie. We talked about it a couple episodes back. kind of liked it. It was a decent movie. Yeah. I will say, I don't remember the soundtrack at all. It, it, okay, actually, no, I do. It was a little better than generic. They, they kind of did a little creepy nursery rhyme shit in the beginning. I don't remember much else. It's kind of a whatever soundtrack. It was just there to be in the background. However, Joker. Yeah. I didn't like right. the movie, but the soundtrack, holy fuck. Like, mm. you, you see, and I think you even, you even noticed the soundtrack of Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a fucking great fucking soundtrack. Yeah. It was it, unique. Yeah, it is. It is It is a good soundtrack. Actually, to kind of give you an even more modern movie than that, um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The music for that is great. Like, all of it. Actually, Jay, I love the movie. I, I don't remember the soundtrack. I do. I remember everything about that movie. That's one the of the few ones that I that, are, that stands out for me. Yeah, I mean, really? you know. Yeah, Spider-Verse, yeah. Yeah. This I'll, is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Also, like one OST that I really like that every once in a blue moon I will I will put on my Spotify, and you, I'm gonna assume that both you guys have not seen this movie is the um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, that oh, I read the beginning of the book. Book had a good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, well, the movie ha- well the movie actually has a pretty great no soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, dude, sometimes like. This may sound crazy. I think books can have soundtracks because I think it's easy for you to read a book and just imagine what music you hear in your head when you're reading a scene. I mean, I did do that as a kid. This is real cringy, but when I'd finish a book as a kid, I'd sit it down and I'd imagine in credits music. Oh, really? Pretty, usually of a song like I already knew. And I was like, oh, man, that'd be perfect for end credits if this were a movie. It's, mm. uh, yeah. It's, cringe um, confession. I mean, it's pretty easy, but like, uh, I know you've seen you mention that you know, like when you think about media that media that you enjoy, but the music doesn't particularly reach in your head. I think sort of the reason why, and this can relate to Mortal Kombat too, because I think the '95 movie especially sort of conjures this. When the soundtrack of a movie or the OST really differentiates itself from everything else and really makes you feel the impact or really sells a scene to you, it almost universally will make that scene better. Than if than if the scene had no music at all, it's always like Jaws. Yeah, like Jaws is one because there's a movie where everyone remembers the soundtrack more than the movie. Yep. Um, also, I would even say that most people love and remember Jurassic Park, but the Jurassic Park theme is honestly, in my opinion, almost more iconic than the movie itself. 
two, two, two John Williams yep. uh, musics yep. in a row right there. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we got the Star Wars theme. That's John Williams. Um, three John Williams. Three John Williams. Yeah, three John Williams. But now, Josh, I'm going to flip really the script. a really good fucking composer. Okay. But now, Josh, I'm going to flip the script and say Batman's theme by Danny Elfman. Um, oh yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, undoubtedly. Dun, like, like that's dun, dun, like dun, most. Dun, like when most dun, people dun, take a Batman's dun. theme, they're going to picture Danny Elfman's theme in his head almost by default now. Um, Versus uh, my Hans default Zimmer. is the '66 show. Oh, the Adam um, West show. Dun, 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, that one's yeah, that one's true. <laughs> um, my version is Prince's rendition, "Bat Dance." But also, because one thing we were talking about, um, I guess like last night, we were talking about, like I guess like some Disney movies, and I'll mention this one, Bambi. That scene where Bambi's mom gets killed and shot, spoilers. The music in that scene is subtle, but it builds up, and there's not a lot of differentiation in sound, but the sound that's there builds up tension so much, and it sells the crap out of that scene. Like it, like I can't. Like the scene would be honestly would really not be all that interesting if you took the music away from it. So music and OSTs as a whole add so much to a game that most people don't unconsciously realize until you actually try to play the game without it. Like you see, when you or I are playing Gar Mark of the Wolves, and remember, like for a time, just so we you wouldn't get audio loop feedback. I would be playing that game with you with the music turned off, and the only thing I can really hear is just the sound of my fingers hitting the keyboard yeah, yeah. or the arcade stick. And it just feels, it, it's fine, but when there's nothing there, it just feels slightly empty. Like, you want some background noise in some way, and music is going right. to always have that impact. And the Mortal Kombat 95 movie, you know, I would think that most people love the soundtrack more than the movie itself, if we're talking about general public perception. <laughs> Because of that, I don't know, man. Because of that, you just have this sort of lightning in the bottle scenario where the soundtrack is just gold. I mean, a lot of people thought that about the Godzilla 1998 movie, like where the movie. Oh yeah, that fucking soundtrack's lit. Oh yeah, that soundtrack is lit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got a whole bunch of great stuff in, um, in that thing. See, we're also talking. You're talking soundtrack. Are, are at least for Mortal Kombat 95? Are we distinguishing the the the, the score? Separate from the soundtrack, because I think for Mortal Kombat 95, it's kind of merged, because uh, the score by, I want to say Zilla uh, uh, Clinton, fuck, I'll look it up later, but like the Goro theme, the dun dun dun, you know, that's the composer, mm-hmm. and there's a couple other spots, and then everything else is, you know, the, the, the fucking soundtrack, you know, you got your KMFDM and all that, uh, that all kind of have a unified style. So when you're talking about like everyone remembers the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, are we just basically talking all the the licensed music in it, or are we talking about the score too? Because I find the score memorable and stylish. Well, it, it's sort of an interesting experiment. Like if you just you know if you're just a dude who's going to walk down the street one day, and then you have like your I don't know like your freaking boombox or something. I'm just thinking because I'm old, I said boombox, but you. <laughs> But you play the sound from some random uh, track of the Mortal Kombat 95, just to see if people can hear it. Not Techno Syndrome. Don't play that because it's too obvious. But play like I don't know this like the music when they're on the leaky boat going to save the world. Or well, that's from the score. No, that is a, that is someone's soundtrack. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, the, the the released soundtrack is not the full soundtrack. There's there's a full full soundtrack yeah. that includes like 
Yeah, the leaky boat, which I don't know which artist did that that track. Or, yeah, right. or like, let's just say that you um, that you record the sound that Robin Shoe's hair makes when it jiggles. So you can like play that to someone. <laughs> His and, hair doesn't jiggle. Huh? They're more like whoosh. S- well, still, jiggle, jiggle is another body part. <laughs> um, <laughs> hair, hair whooshes. Yeah. So okay, when or, Robin Shoe's hair whooshes around. Now, if someone can tell me that that's Robin Shoe's hair that whooshes just from the sound of it, you know that you have a kindred spirit as far as the love of the Mortal Kombat '95 movie. Uh, check mark. Uh, Robin Shoe hair mentioned down. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 At the tail end of the episode here. Yeah, I had to do it. I had to plug that in because you know it's sort of tradition at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. I would hope someone to remind us if we don't do it. But, um, but yeah, like, game soundtracks also sort of add to this, too, because, you know, there's a... There, like, you could probably go all day about movies that have iconic soundtracks or OSTs um, to them, but games also have this, too. And I've always find it interesting that Mortal Kombat has carved out its own, like, little section in, uh, mu- like, in music history for both video games and movies. Mortal Kombat is one of the few franchises that they can claim both. Because the 95 movie has a legendary soundtrack, and OST, to go with it. And then the games, maybe not as iconic, but it still has it. Um, it still has it enough to where you're like, okay, yeah. Like, if you just play any, like, stage sound on the street, probably most people won't get it. But then you may get that one or that one or two person around our age group that will recognize it and be like, oh, that's Mortal Kombat the game. So. Depends on the stage. I think some people probably would jump at it. Yeah. But we have, you know, uh, this movie talk and everything that we've kind of been circling around, it does all kind of come back to say that, prove that, you know, it doesn't have to be a recognizable beat to be memorable or effective music. And at the end of the day... Would you really want to play Mortal Kombat with the music turned off? The answer is probably no. So no. yeah, there, there, there you go. You would want the background music, and it's and it says a lot about the game where the background music is very listenable and not annoying. Because the la- I would, would I like to sink in Zero Signal to the Netherrealm stage? Hell yes. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe I guarantee there's a fan mod out there somewhere where you can play the first probably. game or the second game or whatever, and they just have. Something like that. Just put into, just insert it into the stage music and watch it work really well. <laughs> yeah. So. It'd have to be a long match, though. The matches in uh, old school MK are so quick that I don't think the Zero Signal would have enough time to build up, you know? Mm-hmm. It, would, it wouldn't be as epic feeling. So, <laughs> so outside of that, is there anything else that we wanted to cover uh, for Mortal Kombat music at this point in time? Based on our Man, memory? I think we got a good coverage. Yeah. Uh, Probably stuff we left out. You seen? How do you feel? I feel good about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, the episode. I I feel like I'm the least uh, informed, I guess. Mm. Yeah, just because like well, I don't. I, I'm a musical plebeian too. Like like everyone has like all the, the favorite bands and all that, and you know, it's like and Jay, you're probably one of those people. Me, a fuck, I grew up whatever listening to uh, when I was a little kid. My sister listened to, so it was like Houdini and the Fat Boys. Uh, and then, you know, then it was whatever my friends were listening to. I remember my friend got pissed off about a 311 album because he's like, you don't like 311. I'm like, I don't know, they're pretty cool. And then in my college, it turned into, like, rap because I was trying to find some old Fat Boys thing and I accidentally found Fat Tone. And then, (laughs) you know, yeah, I appreciate Bob Dylan, Bobby Dylan, I appreciate Pink Floyd, but, you know, I can't, I can't say I have, like, favorite bands, you know? Like, I'm not a bit, except Aerosmith. I went through my Aerosmith stage, that was weird. But it's like now, it's like, yeah, I just fucking, I'd rather listen to fucking, 
YouTube artists. Uh, oh, by the way, yeah, I discovered uh, Death Dream, this, the, the subgenre of Death Dream. Y'all ever hear of that? Nope. Uh, it's, it's a sub-subgenre of uh, fucking uh, Vaporwave, and I love it. Every time, every time, Josh, like when you mention sort of like your rap influence, I can't get it out of my head. The first time that you, I think you were trying to get me into T.I. And you, I, I think. That you, wasn't me. I don't listen to T.I. I thought you did. And you might have been a guest on a song. Tech but Nine? I know. I, Tech Nine? Maybe, maybe it was Tech Nine and not T.I. I don't know. But all I remember is that you were singing a song called When I Get That. When I get that feeling, I want to stack it. When I get that feeling, I was Fat Tone with Boy Big. Okay, I want to okay. stack to the ceiling, <laughs> stack to the to the ceiling. But yeah, I remember when we were hanging out. You were telling me about that, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> what and, is this? And Marvin Gaye is rolling over in his grave. That's supposed to be trashy, Jay. Uh, obviously, you don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of like Josh, where. I don't have specific bands that I gravitate towards, especially not like American bands, because I I grew up listening to like Indian film music, like Bollywood music. And with that, it's very distinct. Like the musics are a musical number that it that is specifically a break point in the movie kind of a thing. Mm. So it's like very distinct. It's not like woven into I mean they it's they, they a, have it's music. It's not woven background in. music. Huh? It's supposed to be the it's not background, it's of presentation yeah they have background music but like the course, stuff yeah. that's in the soundtrack is like the song the musical numbers that are in between that are in the movie so it's like yeah it's very distinct so that maybe that contributes to why if i'm watching a movie and there's a soundtrack in the background i don't really pay attention to it so then it doesn't compute in my brain i guess i don't know right so i'm not used to it i don't know but as also i don't really have yeah I have a favorite singers and stuff, but not bands, really. You know, like, uh, as we're tailing this episode, like, just kind of, like, talking about our musical preferences or, or, or uh, you know, backgrounds, am I the only person that can be perfectly at peace not listening to fucking anything throughout their day? I've had days where I've done that sometimes where, like, I mean, I listen to podcasts when I work mostly. I got to be in a certain mood or a certain, if I'm, if I'm working on something, I got to concentrate on. I can't, cause I space out. Like I can't do audiobooks. Same reason. I, if I have to like do something that's like monotonous, but like something that like I want to get done quickly, then I'll put on music because I can just zone out with that. If it's like, if it's something that is not time sensitive, then I can listen to a podcast and just kind of go at my own pace. But, or it's just like through daily life. Cause like I, a lot of people seems like they can't do anything without having to have, forgive me for sounding belittling, but noise in the background. You know what I mean? It's like, like I'm, I'm perfectly like in my, in my own place, I wake up, there's no sound. Uh, you know, I just hear the, the tick, tick lawnmower outside. I'm at fucking peace. I can drive three hours without fucking putting music oh God, on. No, no, God, man, I've, I've had someone, rem- I, I've had someone riding along with me and they're like, do you just drive in silence? I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. You're not a freak like me. I'm sorry. I'll put on music. <laughs> uh, I don't, maybe that's I'm not dependent on music, and maybe that's why I don't have like these favorite bands and all that shit. I don't know. I, I definitely am one of these people that need noise, especially like when I'm working. But admittedly, like my tastes just go 
over the moon and back. Like I will, um, like what I think, like I think YouTube already kind of knows my secrets with this algorithm because I've got like three different soundtracks that I listen to. I've got like an eighties one that I listen to sometimes and other times I'll go, I'll go into my weed trash phase and I'll start listening to anime music <laughs> like all the dang time because I like, I tend to laugh, I, I tend to laugh, uh, like that shit. Like right now, I'm in a Kagayama phase, and I'm just like loving me some Dragon Ball Z oh, music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kagayama's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I do listen to a lot of I do listen to anime music from time to time, and I listen to like J-pop and J-rock from time to time. So I have I have favorite bands in like Japanese music. Oh yeah, I, and I have favorite singers in Indian music, but I don't have any favorite bands in American music. Like, hmm. I think, like, what, um, outside of that, you see, you'll be happening out of this, but YouTube actually has a common writer playlist for me, so I'm listening to, like, common oh, yeah. writer music from, like, from Double, from, uh, uh, from, uh, Build, I'm also listening to music from, like, Fies and, and Kuga, so it's all, it's, it gets all kinds of, it, I get all kinds of fun stuff, uh, from that playlist, yeah. it's great, but, no, nah, but American music, yeah, like I listen to all types of American bands. I will sing my praises uh, to Queen to Helen back. <laughs> so, oh yeah, every kid, every kid from the eighties. Well, Queen is actually more of a seventies band, but they had some. Yeah, good but you know, but, <laughs> um, or like eighties greatness, like Foreigner, or if I want to go metal, like I'm a classic Metallica fan. So, <laughs> sorry, I, mean, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> yes, you did. You totally meant to do that. Don't lie. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, I guess on that note. Yeah, I guess yeah, on that note. note. <laughs> oh, let's get on out of here. Uh, All right, Josh, what's your outro? Tell us, tell everyone, us what you got today. Oh man, what I got today? I like literally. We went halfway through the episode, and I forgot to think of an outro. And I was about to like just post a music clip and cheat, but uh, I'll, I'll just uh, leave you guys out with a little, a little, little number since we're talking music, right? Yeah, zeros and ones, baby. Yeah, zeros and ones. So, here we go. This little JBB Yabu uh, banger. Say what you gotta say, but just know that I do try. I do what I gotta do just so that I can get by. But if you stand in my way, I don't have time to play. I'm gonna shove you aside. Singing. Fuck you, man. <laughs> I do what I can, so I said, "Fuck you, man." I said, "Fuck you, man." Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod, and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!